Hey everyone, and a special hello to everyone listening on Twitter right now. Welcome to episode 7 of Who is Neil? First off, sorry I haven't posted an episode for a bit. Life can get busy at times. I also want to thank everyone that has been listening. Since I've started this podcast, I've gotten almost 50,000 listens over the course of the first six episodes. Thanks for checking it out. For the past few episodes, I've been sharing research and information on the alt-right and their ideology. This hopefully gave a better idea of who Neil Turner, Jason Bergkamp, and White Genocide T1 really are and what they stand for. In this episode, I'm going to get back to talking about bots and technology, specifically artificial intelligence. I'm also going to share some interactions Neil Turner and I have had over the last two weeks. Before that, though, let's look at what we've talked about in the first six episodes of this podcast. episode one, we introduced Neil Turner and explained that he is not a bot. He is a real person using tech to empower his account. An extremely active pro-Trump account that has amassed a cult following on the Twitter platform. Neil is supposedly a teenage to early 20-year-old living in Mississippi. His bio on Twitter reads this, Fighting political correctness and white genocide one tweet at a time. Hashtag Trump, hashtag alt-right. Neil's tweets have also been featured in Politico and Fortune, which is true. They have. However, it wasn't the press that got Neil popular. It was technology. Neil runs a script, a simple computer program, that allows his account to be the first respondent to every tweet that comes from either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton's accounts. I then talked about a direct message conversation I had with a Neil Turner Twitter account where he described why he is fighting to keep Clinton out of office and supports Trump. Neil. I've made my decision. I'm not coming on your show slash podcast. I'm for Trump because I hate what the globalists are doing to our country, Canada, and all the other European countries. I'm tired of the media's agenda. I'm tired of the media's lies. I'm tired of having to put up with self-hating people. Why are we forced to share everything we work for with strangers? Oh, and could you stop replying to my tweets? Your comments have no substance and are totally worthless, sometimes even totally false. I'll have to block you if you don't stop. Fair enough. I also shared a part of an interview I did with Jason Bergkamp and why he believes the globalists, aka the global elite, are running the world. Well, it's because it is hard to name the groups. You can't put them in groups. I guess you could call them being part of the global elite. But that's it. I've already explained the first. Now, Soros... He has a history of funding the organizations that promote the immigration to European nations. Finally, I discussed who these globalists actually are and what the alt-right believes they are up to by using some clips from the Alex Jones show. 
In fact, Hillary's running mate, TPP supporting Tim Kaine, declared in Spanish in an interview with Telemundo that illegal immigrants would be legalized within the first hundred days of Hillary's reign. While, as Breitbart reported, Hillary plans on admitting 420,000 Syrian refugees during her first term, expanding Obama's unconstitutional executive amnesty, dissolving the U.S. borders, freezing deportations, closing detention centers, and giving a full path to citizenship and Obamacare to illegal immigrants, far surpassing the chaos Obama has already introduced to the United States. Hillary Clinton wants to one-up Angela Merkel to impress her globalist masters. Screw the American people. Anyone can see that it is the immigration policy of Merkel that has brought the recent horror down on Europe. And the only solution is to immediately stop the flow of migration and begin the monumental process of mass deportation. This is jihad by immigration, or al-Hijra as it is known by Muslims. Who in their right mind would allow a hostile enemy to move their soldiers and their families into their country? Now is it crystal clear why there was no mention of ISIS during the first night of the Democratic National Convention? In this episode, I'm going to share some of the stats that I've been seeing from using tech to empower my account over the last month. I'll then explain a little bit more about exactly what bots are and the different types of artificial intelligence that are available today. I'll tie it back to what I am doing and what Neil Turner, Jason Bergkamp, and White Genocide T1 are doing with their Twitter accounts. Finally, I'll share a piece of an argument that I got into with Neil Turner and Jason Bergkamp to give a sense of where our relationship is at. Hope you enjoy. It's now been almost two months since I started this podcast, and since around episode three, I have been using a simple script with basic artificial intelligence, which I'll explain later, to promote my tweets. I'm going to share some before and after stats to give you a sense of the impact this tech has had on my profile, and give you a full idea of the reach that Neil Turner, Jason Bergkamp, and some of the others in the alt-right are seeing from using similar technology. I'll start with the before case. Okay, so the base case that I'm looking at, the normal case without the bot, are my stats from February 1st to February 28th of 2016. The type of content that I traditionally would put out would be some vines, maybe a couple short videos, and tweets replying to other popular accounts. During that time period, here are my statistics. I sent out 358 tweets, I had 114,000 impressions, I had 2,758 engagements, I got 56 retweets, I got 191 likes, I had 42 replies, I got 298 new followers, I got 57 mentions, 
and I had 8,116 visits to my profile. All said and done, those stats are okay, but as you'll see, they're nothing compared to what I've been doing since I've been using a little bit of bot tech on my profile. Now with the bot, my after statistics, the now best case scenario, is what I've been sending from July 7th until August 4th of this year. The type of content that I've been sending out of course includes this podcast, other Vine videos, native Twitter videos, GIFs, and images that all reply directly to Donald Trump whenever he sends out a tweet, making me usually one of the top five responders to his account. But again, I'm writing all the content. Every response that you see was created by me. The stats for the July 7th to August 4th, 2016 period are as follows. I sent out 1,509 tweets. I got 22.9 million impressions. I got 975,700 engagements. I got 15,400 retweets. I got 59,100 likes. I had 16,000 replies to my tweets. I got 1,576 new followers. I was mentioned 23,300 times and had 270,000 visits to my profile. So as you can see, there's really no comparison between the base case from February 1st to February 28th and what I'm seeing now when I use a little bit of technology with my account to get me the first reply to Trump and several other accounts that I'm targeting. Now, the most important stat for me in all of that are the replies. Every reply that I send to Donald Trump and others are framed as a question in an effort to spark some meaningful conversation. Last month, like I said, I got 16,000 replies to my tweets, which is a lot. I'm glad that at the very least people are talking as a result of me doing this, since that is the main purpose of the script after all, to spark conversation, and that's the point of Twitter in the end, to talk about things that are important to us. But what exactly is this script that I keep mentioning, and I've mentioned in numerous episodes of my podcast? Is it a bot, and what exactly is a bot? Let me explain more about that in the next segment without giving away too much information. I don't care if I never get another cent out of it. Music's not a business to me. I'm a big bad trumpet player. Like I said, in this episode, I'm going to talk about artificial intelligence, or for short, AI. When talking about artificial intelligence, there are generally two types, weak and strong AI. Weak AI is what I'm using now for my script. Weak AI serves a singular purpose, a very narrow case. For my purposes, my narrow case is to reply to Donald Trump whenever he tweets. 
Another example of weak AI is when you call your cable company and talk to an automated service. The only function that this cable company's bot, quote unquote, can perform is checking if your modem is working or your bill is paid. Now, strong AI, or sometimes known as general AI, is something very different. This is when a computer can perform and think just as a human could, and this is yet to be accomplished. The first step in doing this, though, is the Turing test. Let's hear a little bit more about what the Turing test is and how different types of AI have gone closer to achieving this goal and passing the test. What is consciousness? Can an artificial machine really think? Does the mind just consist of neurons in the brain, or is there some intangible spark at its core? For many, these have been vital considerations for the future of artificial intelligence. But British computer scientist Alan Turing decided to disregard all these questions in favor of a much simpler one. Can a computer talk like a human? This question led to an idea for measuring artificial intelligence that would famously come to be known as the Turing test. In the 1950 paper, Computing Machinery and Intelligence, Turing proposed the following game. A human judge has a text conversation with unseen players and evaluates their responses. To pass the test, a computer must be able to replace one of the players without substantially changing the results. In other words, a computer would be considered intelligent if its conversation couldn't be easily distinguished from a human's. Turing predicted that by the year 2000, machines with 100 megabytes of memory would be able to easily pass his test. But he may have jumped the gun. Even though today's computers have far more memory than that, few have succeeded, and those that have done well focused more on finding clever ways to fool judges than using overwhelming computing power. Though it was never subjected to a real test, the first program with some claim to success was called ELIZA. With only a fairly short and simple script, it managed to mislead many people by mimicking a psychologist, encouraging them to talk more and reflecting their own questions back at them. Another early script, Perry, took the opposite approach by imitating a paranoid schizophrenic who kept steering the conversation back to his own pre-programmed obsessions. Their success in fooling people highlighted one weakness of the test. Humans regularly attribute intelligence to a whole range of things that are not actually intelligent. Nonetheless, annual competitions like the Loebner Prize have made the test more formal, with judges knowing ahead of time that some of their conversation partners are machines. But while the quality has improved, Many chatbot programmers have used similar strategies to Eliza and Perry. 1997's winner, Catherine, could carry on amazingly focused and intelligent conversation, but mostly if the judge wanted to talk about Bill Clinton. And the more recent winner, Eugene Gustman, was given the persona of a 13-year-old Ukrainian boy, so judges interpreted its non-sequiturs and awkward grammar as language and culture barriers. Meanwhile, other programs like Cleverbot have taken a different approach by statistically analyzing huge databases of real conversations to determine the best responses. Some also store memories of previous conversations in order to improve over time. 
But while Cleverbot's individual responses can sound incredibly human, its lack of a consistent personality and inability to deal with brand new topics are a dead giveaway. Who in Turing's day could have predicted that today's computers would be able to pilot spacecraft, perform delicate surgeries, and solve massive equations, but still struggle with the most basic small talk? Human language turns out to be an amazingly complex phenomenon that can't be captured by even the largest dictionary. Chatbots can be baffled by simple pauses like, um, or questions with no correct answer. And a simple conversational sentence like, I took the juice out of the fridge and gave it to him, but forgot to check the date, requires a wealth of underlying knowledge and intuition to parse. It turns out that simulating a human conversation takes more than just increasing memory and processing power. And as we get closer to Turing's goal, we may have to deal with all those big questions about consciousness after all. Now, passing the Turing test, having a computer speak via text just as a human could, is really not very far off. This is not science fiction. Imagine a future where someone could program a hateful, racist AI, maybe hundreds of them, which are indistinguishable from real people, or even go further and influence existent AIs to think a certain way, essentially brainwashing them. We do this to humans, why couldn't this happen to AI? Let's look, for instance, at an example of what happened when Microsoft released its chatbot Tay onto Twitter earlier this year, and how trolls essentially brainwashed the bot into thinking hateful and oftentimes dangerous thoughts. Microsoft had released its AI bot on Twitter, referred to as Tay, and it turned out to be a disaster because the way <laughs> that this bot develops her artificial intelligence is through interacting with people on Twitter. Well, what typically happens if someone gets all of their interaction with people on social media, especially Twitter? Well, they're exposed to a lot of hateful comments, they're exposed to a lot of racism, sexism, xenophobia, and so she started tweeting out a lot of racist sexist things. She denied the Holocaust. You get the picture. Well, Microsoft panicked and they realized, well, this worked in China where we rolled out a similar program, but it's not really working in the United States. So why don't we kind of take a step back, uh, try to fix what's wrong here, and then they decided to roll out this uh, bot again. And uh, it proved to be a disaster a second time. So let me give you some details on that. Uh, Microsoft had previously gone through the bot's tweets and removed the most offensive and vowed only to bring the experiment back online if the company's engineers could better anticipate malicious intent that conflicts with our principles and values. Well, she immediately started tweeting about uh, smoking marijuana in front of police officials. <laughs> she says, Kush, I'm smoking Kush in front of the police. And she tweeted that to your drug dealer. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I just, Microsoft is, I mean, it's it's a tech company, you know? You would think that they would be a little smarter with this, but I, I love this story. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. I, I think that it's a good, um, a reveal of societal issues, right? And this bot was made with having all these people tweet of it. So literally, I can just tweet, you know, whatever 
inappropriate thing I want to tweet to this thing, and it's going to give you a response. Yeah. So I've evidently your drug dealer said, hey, do you want a key? You want an ounce? Like, how much do you want this mm -hmm. weekend? Yeah. And all these tweets keep coming in, and that's what's going on with this bot. The same thing with all the racist stuff. The yeah. same thing all the Trump supporters, you know, tweeted in the first time, and that's when you got all the racist stuff coming in. And now you have all the drug stuff and everything else. And it's, I think it's absolutely funny. It's just showing you that they can't control the algorithm of this, you yeah. know, bot. Yes. Because if you tweet, you know, 20,000 of this subject, it's going to uh, react with this That's answer. That's scary, though, is it, it's, it's mirroring the, the, the gross narrative that we see this culture on social media, right? The point we're at in history is definitely an interesting one, though, where people like Neil Turner and honestly myself, for that matter, can combine ourselves essentially with artificial intelligence working together with it to influence literally millions of people, just as you saw from my statistics earlier in the show. Now speaking of Neil, let me share a recent conversation with him that I just had. And just keep in mind that this is the type of person that is very interested and will have the ability to influence people with this sort of artificial intelligence now and even more so as it becomes more prevalent and the tech catches up in the future. This conversation is between myself and the Neil Turner Twitter account. I had posted a video claiming that Neil Turner was the Trump Tower climber, which he's not. But I wanted to incite him and get into conversation, which we did. The subsequent conversation was sparked, as I said, from that video. It went as follows. Neil. Hey Nathan, you said you don't have an agenda, but keep posting only anti-Trump stuff. Why is that? Hidden agenda? Nathan. Neil, great to hear from you again. Always brightens my day. I don't think it's any mystery that I'm not for Trump. So, you finally admit that you have an agenda after all, at Nathan T. Bernard? I don't like politicians. Trump is now a politician, so I don't like him. So why are you not posting any anti-Hillary stuff? Seems like you have that pretty well covered, Neil. You can't be honest and at the same time say you don't have an agenda if you only work for one side, though. What exactly do you think my agenda is? Apparently, to not get Trump elected, seems like you want the candidate with all the health issues, corruptions, and scandals to win. Yeah, the tongue lesion seems like a great find. Definitely no Photoshop. Yeah, because that's the only thing, right? Neil then links a few videos trying to prove that Hillary has a lot of health issues, which has been a conspiracy theory starting to float around Twitter. This theory is so desperate. You guys can do better than that. I'd try for more lesions. Maybe on the face. Theory? Does she seem totally fine to you? Are you a doctor? The only diagnosis I've seen is from Dr. Martin Shkreli. She's old. So is Trump. Doubt it's Parkinson's. I don't think you need a doctor to tell that everything isn't right with her. Oh, don't forget, Clinton Foundation corruption. Is everything alright with you, Neil? You had a lot of spelling errors in the last tweet. Maybe you should be seeing a doctor. Are you a doctor? A doctor of love. All I see is you hating Trump, so more of a doctor of hate, huh? Nah, I think you, Kexec underscore org, and White Genocide T1 have the hate covered. I'm just here to try to counterbalance it. Well, I guess I'll have to double down on the hate then. Now that's not the end of my conversation with Neil. 
but I'm going to share the rest of the conversation along with some other convos Neil and I have had in the next episode. Hopefully this episode gave you a better sense of the tech and the implications bots and artificial intelligence are going to have in the future, especially in politics and on Twitter. Until next time, happy hunting.